0: Assalamu alaikum. You are on a wide pedestrian path, just next to a busy street called Rue El muwahideen Now, facing the street, you should see a big 900-year-old mosque, the Mosque Al Kutubia. Find a good place around here, out of the way of traffic, to stand for a minute before we begin. I'm Rukia. Nice to meet you. Now that you know my name. Can you guess how old I am? I'm not going to tell you. I'll just say that years ago, my family and I moved to France. Now as an adult, I have decided to come back to live here, in the place where I grew up, the Medina of Marrakech. I have so many memories here. The sounds of artisans working. The smell of olives, the endless bartering in the soups, the snake charmers, the magic of the circles of artists in place Jemalfena. As a child, for me the Medina was a kind of time capsule because of the traditions that the artists and artisans had preserved for centuries. But how has it changed since then? Today we'll try to find out. I will accompany you beyond the Medina's postcard imagery to all my favorite childhood spots, and introduce you to the performers and craftsmen working there. We'll explore if and how they have preserved their old traditions, and by diving into the Medina's collective memories, we may discover more about its present. Okay, now listen to me. I don't want you to get lost today. When people first come to the Medina, it can feel a little chaotic. There's a lot of noise, so feel free to turn your headphones up loud. And when I tell you where to look and where to walk, pay close attention to my directions. If you get distracted by something and miss my instructions, press rewind to go back 15 seconds. And while you're with me today, no pictures please. I'm introducing you to my friends today. And you wouldn't take pictures of your friends' friends when you met them with you? And also, I should tell you that as you walk around the Medina today, you'll often see people trying to sell you something. It can be very distracting if you're not prepared. So first, let's learn a gesture you can use to tell them no thanks. What is it? Follow my instruction and try it. Step one, put one hand up near your heart facing outward. Step two, wave your hand repeatedly from right to left. If you'd like to reiterate, just say La, Shukran, which in Arabic means no thanks. Try it again, your hand to your heart, wave your hand from right to left, say La, Shukran. Got it? Be ready to practice it very soon. See the pedestrian walk away? Leading away from the main street here, it has no name, but people call it Horse Coach Street, and you can probably guess why. Have any of the horse's drivers approached you, saying, Kalesh, Kalesh, to offer you a ride? If they haven't yet, they probably will, once we go in a moment. Kalesh is actually French, but today you will also learn some useful Arabic vocabulary. Let's start with Yalla, which means let's go. Can you repeat it after me? Yalla. Yes, you are a very fast learner. Facing away from the main avenue, begin walking now down horse coach street, the white pedestrian walk away. When I was a child, there weren't so many cars here. People rode horses, donkeys, or bicycles. Now the horses remain, but mostly as a tourist attraction. We headed to the world-famous square, Pledge Malfena, which you can see begins just a little way ahead. It dates back to the foundation of Marrakech by the Almoravids, the Berber dynasty that founded the city. They built the square in 1070 and for centuries it was huge, extending even to where we are now. Plajmalfna means square of the end. Do you know why? According to medieval texts, the square was where they used to hang the head of the people who were sentenced to death. But there is also another theory about its origins. In the late 16th century, the Sultan Ahmad al-Mansur wanted to build a mosque in the square. He wanted to call it the Mosque of Happiness. But instead, a plague epidemic killed lots of people, and the sultan himself, and that's why the building was never finished. Those are two morbid associations for such a wondrous place. For me, the square resonates more with the translation of jama, which corresponds to gathering, because this place was, and still is, a place of meeting. At the end of this alley, you can see a palm tree surrounded by a railing on your right. Go and stand by there. Now you'll have a full view of the Plage Malfna in front of you. So, what can you see out there? Maybe a couple of men wearing traditional red cloaks and colorful straw hats with some bells and glasses saying to you, photo, photo, remember our no thanks gesture. You can also see different green umbrellas. Under each one of them, there are the artists and merchants of the square. Despite the apparent chaos, this place has a fairly specific schedule. From the morning to the early noon, you can see snake charmers and monkey trainers, spice sellers, orange juice and date stands, fortune tellers and preachers, henna tattooing. Hello and some performance with tambour drums and red hats playing Nawa music, ancient African spiritual songs. By night, the square becomes more crowded. There are several circles of people huddled around different artists. Some perform the traditional music of the Berber ethnic group, native to North Africa. Some others play modern Arabic music. There are actors performing theater and acrobats flipping about rows of pop-up restaurant tents appear and you can smell them cooking meat and snails you can come back and see all this on your own tonight but first let's explore some more together walk straight in the direction we've been going cross the lane and be careful of the horses coaches and cars ahead on the right you'll see two big buildings with red flags with a green star on top That's the Moroccan flag. The first building is the post office. It has a sign that says Post-Maroc in shiny silver letters above the main entryway in French and Arabic. Just past the post office, beyond another pedestrian lane, is Bank al-Maghrib, the one with the white pattern along the top of the building. Out in front of the bank, the ground is covered in square-shaped tiles. Go stand out on the square tile in front of Bank al-Maghrib and face out onto the square. As you walk, take in the sounds and the warmth of the square. Here we are by the Bank al-Maghrib. I promise we are going to see more than the postcard images of the square. But I'd like to start by exploring a few of those iconic images of Jamal Fna. We're going to meet Hisham, a snake charmer, and see Mohammed, a monkey trainer. Now, I should say that some find they were controversial. But before we make any judgments, let's meet them. Turn around, so your back is to Bank al-Maghrib. So, with the path we just walked in on, now to our left, and the square out in front of us, we should see the snake charmers, somewhere out about 50 to 100 feet in front of us. Slightly to your left, you'll see a group of people by a big green umbrella and some snakes on the ground. Now, if you walk right up close to the snake charmers, the music can be very loud. And they're going to immediately try to hand you snakes, take your photo, and then insist you buy it. So stand about 30 feet away, so you can hear me well and focus. We'll be able to go closer to the snakes a little later. So please, for now, just find a place to stand where you can see them, but still hear my voice. Okay, once you're close enough, can I guess what you see? Someone from the group playing a flute called Mismar? If they are not playing the Mismar yet, probably the snakes are lazily lying on the ground. But don't worry, that will change. Maybe you can recognize Hisham, the snake charmer of this group. He is tall, has green eyes, and he usually wears a white gelaba, the traditional Moroccan long robe for men. This is Hisham.
1: I am Isham, uh, I am working, play gym. Now it's my job, I am charming snakes. Uh, and I am, I am very happy because I am I have brave uh, for work the snakes. I started uh, the charming snake for, for my father when I have uh, nine years old.
0: As a child, I came here to see the snakes. But back then, the boss of this snake circle was his father, Muhammad and even before that, his grandfather was the snake boss. This is the place of his family for three generations. Today, Hisham's father is a snake manager. He takes snakes to hospitals to milk them and make serum with their venom. I like the fact that you can cure with poison. Turn back around and look at Bank al-Maghrib, where we paused before. Do you see that to the left of Bank al-Maghrib, There is another pedestrian walkway leading out to the square here. On the left side of that walkway, there are a number of stores. About three stores in from the square, do you see there is a pharmacy on the left that says Pharmacy du Progrès, or Progress, in gold letters on the white wall above the green awning. It's behind the palm tree. See how its pharmacy logo has the snakes in the design? Have you ever noticed that many pharmacy logos include images of snakes? Maybe now you will. The traditional music accompanies the show to create the right ambience. All those snakes cannot even hear it. In fact, Hisham doesn't actually play the music, but he hypnotizes the snakes with his motions.
1: In the first time you show the cobra is really angry. In like two minutes, Cobra, I come quiet, no bite, sleeping, and Cobra, they open his mouth, I kiss it.
0: Last year, a snake charmer of the square died from a snake bite. In spite of the risks, Hisham loves his job, and he is teaching his son to not be afraid of the snakes, even though he wishes for his son a different life. If you want to see more, press pause and go closer they should start playing and performing soon, if they aren't already. If you do that, leave them at least 20 dirhams. Press pause now, and then press play when you're ready to move on. From snakes, let's go now to monkeys. Let's walk a little further in the general direction we've been going since the start. These large green umbrellas are usually arranged in a row just to our left. Continuing straight ahead the way we have been walking from the start, let's walk a little further down this row of umbrellas. The monkeys move around, but they're usually over here, maybe 100 feet or so past the snake charmers, or a few more umbrellas down. And you'll find them with their trainers, again under green umbrellas, and usually with green painted boxes that the monkeys stay in. Follow the compass on your phone if you're having a hard time finding them. Have you found your monkey? They should be right around here. Let's see here, monkey, monkey, monkey! Where are you monkey? Okay, I found my monkey. Have you? If you're having trouble finding them, press pause and play again when you found them. Okay, I think you found a monkey now. So, here, now please stand 20 to 30 feet away from the monkey trainers and listen to one of them, Simuhamad.
2: My name is Mohammed Bahbut and I am from Marrakesh. I work here in the Jamal Fna with monkeys. I'm also an acrobat and I learned this craft from my father. Everyone in this job gets a young monkey and trains him by helping him to adapt to people. The name of my monkey is Sam. I named him after my friend.
0: Mohammed often wears sunglasses and has very short hair. Sam is one of the few monkeys who isn't dressed up. Can you see them? When I was a child, I was so fascinated by the monkeys and snakes here. As an adult, I came to question if these performances were in fact a form of exploitation. But after speaking with C. Muhammad about that, now I think that it's hard for anyone who has never truly befriended a monkey to judge his relationship with Sam. The
2: monkey, after all those years, becomes a friend and a colleague. Sometimes I'm easy on him, sometimes I'm hard. Sometimes we fight, sometimes we laugh together. Once, I remember, there was a girl in the audience, and she wasn't wearing a bra. She was holding the monkey, and he started tucking his hand and fondling her breasts. The funniest part was that she was trying to take his hand off, but he insisted and he started laughing.
0: Si Muhammad told me that you can tell when a monkey is laughing when it's baring its teeth. If you wish, take a picture with Sam or with another monkey or watch some monkey acrobatics. If you do, press pause and remember to leave the trainer at least 20 dirhams. I'll wait for you watching your reactions to the monkeys. Press play when you're ready to move on. In a moment We will leave the monkey trainers and walk across the square. But first, stay here until I have shown you where we are going to walk. We are looking for a café called Café Argana. Do you remember the Bank El maghrib and the pharmacy with the snakes in the logo? We should be standing around where it meets the square. Turn around so your back is to the pharmacy and then look a little to the left. It will lead you to a big building just to the left of a narrow tower. It's a three-story building with open-air terrace dining areas on the second and third floors. In between the second and third floor, you will see in white letters Argana Restaurant Glacier, or Glacier if you prefer. That's Café Argana, and we're heading all the way across the square over to that place. If you don't see it, follow your compass. Let's get walking. You'll see orange juice, cassette tape sellers, and restaurants all around. As a child, the square felt bigger. There were less restaurants and stands. Keep going towards that Café Argana sign. As you might guess, after meeting Si and Hisham in the square, the oral transmission of knowledge from father to son is vital. Actually, in 2001, Plage de was designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which basically is like a world wonder. UNESCO called the square a masterpiece of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity. World Heritage Sites are typically ancient monuments recognized for their historical value, but here they've recognized the cultural value in still living traditions and the importance of oral transmission in keeping them alive. But today, many of the local artists like Hisham, do not want their children to continue their work. So, what will happen if the familial transmission chain breaks? To address this issue, the artists of the square have founded the organization I Love Place de Ma by creating a school to continue this transmission to those in the next generation eager to learn. Street children, as well as local, an international artist. What a beautiful idea. Don't you agree? You should be approaching Cafe Argana. When you arrive, stand out in front. Please stop here in front of Cafe Argana, near the main entrance. Can you see through its windows? What do you see? Is this place still under construction or has it already reopened? Whatever you're seeing, at least, this place has been rebuilt, and that makes me hopeful because a few years ago, in 2011, this café was in ruins after a terrorist attack. To have an attack here on the square, such a cultural treasure, it was a terrible shock for Plage Malfana and for the whole city. With this reconstruction, for me, this place is another reminder of the Medina's enduring hope and perseverance. Don't be afraid. That's just the sound the shoe shiners make in the street to call for your attention.
3: Oh, oh, oh madame, viens t'ouer, viens t'y toille, viens t'y
0: Do you want to see them? Look at the brown awning overhanging the front of Café Argana. On the edge, it says Salon de thé, restaurant, glacier. Walk over to where it says that, by the left corner of the building. Okay, now turn around so your back is to Café Argana. you'll see a bunch of juice stands. This last on the right is selling dates. Stay close to Café but walk just past the end of the building until you're just a little beyond where the date stand ends. Then stop and turn and look past the date stand. If you're looking past the date stand, about 50 feet away and slightly on the right, you'll see a row of men with their shoe brushes and polishers sitting under umbrellas. They can make your shoe shine in one minute. I remember once, I had very dirty black boots. And one of them, he took such a pity on me and my poor boots that he decided to clean them for free. I always remember that moment whenever I passed by the shoe shiners. Turn back around facing away from the shoe shiners. We're going to walk past Café Argana now, keeping the café to the right and walking into this narrow walkway with buildings on both sides. We'll leave the square for now, but don't worry, we'll come back later. Maybe it will even be different by then. Keeping ahead, you will see shops on each side, some artisanal lamps on your left side and mostly bags and dresses on your right. Here you can find more foreign products, and probably you may even spot some well-known brands. But you know what? There are actually knockoffs. But here, no one cares. They look just like the original, don't they? I do think that to copy could be an art in itself. This alley runs into a little plaza a bit ahead. Stop as soon as you get there. Welcome to Babf Tour. Which I sometimes call the Donkey Plaza. Stop here, near the entrance to the Donkey Plaza. Before these men with wheelbarrow carts. Are you wondering what are these men doing here? They help transport merchandise to the shops and move tourist luggage around the Medina. If you're lucky, you can also see two donkeys hanging around. My father always told me about a performance he loved. A man in the El Square hypnotizes his donkey and made it smoke cigarettes. I always wondered if it was true. I haven't seen these donkeys smoking. Mostly they just transport goods to and fro. Now, I would like to give you another mini lesson about the sonic Moroccan vocabulary. Can you recognize this sound? Ruh. This is how donkey drivers lead their animals. Okay, let's leave the square of the donkeys. Facing the direction we were walking when we entered the donkey plaza, look slightly to your left. Stop! Can you see a little arch about 200 feet to the left of the pharmacy? Over in the far left corner of this little square. Not the white archways. It's the archway with the red wall in the corner. The one below the spiky turrets on the top of the wall. Go in that direction. We're going to pass through the arch and into the souks. Before entering the souks, you should know that when you hear attention, pardon, pardon, madame, if you are a woman, it means that behind you, there is a carriage, a donkey, a bicycle, or a scooter. Remember, here, the pedestrians never have priority, so adapt yourself to these new codes of the streets. Pass under the arch and go straight. Look around you, shops of leather bags of different sizes and forms, handmade copper lamps, scarves of all colors, traditional dresses. You also find some vegetables and fruit stands on your rights. But what intrigues you the most? I'm always impressed by the variety of colors I found around here. Look how many nuances you can find. Welcome to the souks of the Medina. What is a souk? Can you guess it by looking around you? Got it? A souk is the name for a market here. Okay. Maybe that was obvious. But can you guess what drives the economy here? Yes. The local economy is still based on artisanal crafts. In these souks, you still find mostly handmade products. One last thing about the souks for now. The souks are the stage for a very particular type of Moroccan performance. The art of negotiation. Haggling over price is at the core of the culture of the souks. We'll speak more about this later. Keep walking ahead. Ahead, this path should run into a rock shop with a sign that says Bazaar Shishawa. Once there, you step over to the right. But then, you'll continue on straight under the archway with the little sign that says Equity Point. Pass under that arch and keep walking straight ahead. Once you've passed under the arch, you reach an open-air part of the souk. Then, you can see copper products on your right. Look at them. I'm always impressed by the precision of their patterns. Okay, now, somewhere over on your right, there are a few carpet shops, and I want you to find the one that has carpets hanging on the wall outside the front of the store. It has a yellow and blue sign that says Art Arknif. Number six. Immediately across the path from the rock shop, you will see an artisanal plate shop on your left. Go and stop there. Stand here by the entrance to this artisanal pottery craft shop and have a look at the plates that are displayed outside. As if you are viewing art in a museum, consider carefully their decoration and their colors. Try to imagine the people behind what you see the hands, the gestures of creativity and craftsmanship. Please, just be careful to not block any customers from entering the store. These plates are made in Fez and Safi, two Moroccan cities well known for artisanal pottery, a very old traditional craft. I would like to introduce to you Hakim, the owner of this shop.
3: My father died in 58. And I begin with mother. Mother has two children. One bigger than me, Muhammad and Hakim. I have studied in the school, maybe four or five years. That's all what I studied. After I finished studying, I got to work because life needs money. So my name is Hakim, Hakim Bin Wulan.
0: Hakim has worked in the shop for 25 years now. Maybe you can see him. Is he sitting on a chair outside? Or is he inside his shop, talking with his clients? He has short, salt and paper hair, and a moustache. Now go inside his shop and go to the back. Hakim explained to me that you can tell if plates are from Fez because they are made of white argil and their decorations are made of the Moroccan Jewish symbols, like the Star of David. Unlike the shiny plates, the plates from Safi are made of red argill, which gives them an opaque matte surface. Their decorations are inspired by the traditional patterns you can find in the oldest mosque salines. Now, look at the plates. Can you tell the ones from first from the one from Safi? Which is your favorite? Hakim also told me that selfie plates are normally made of different colors and that each color represents a different Moroccan city.
3: That is blue, the fez. Green, the Meknes. Yellow, the Savera. White, the Casablanca. Blue, Indigo, in north, like uh, Tanger.
0: I invite you to take a look to all these colors. I will tell you in a bit which one corresponds to Marrakech. Press pause if you'd like to discover more about pottery crafts with Hakim and press play when you're ready to leave. Let's leave Hakim's shop and tell him "shukran," "bislama," which means thanks, bye. Go outside the shop and turn left. Now, as you leave the store and turn left, about 10 steps later, you will see on the other side of the alley on your right a door with a traditional stone patterns around it. This is a Zawiya. Pass by it and keep ahead in the same direction. In case you didn't know, a Zawiya is a place of Muslim studies and meditation where men and women separately go if they are devoted to a specific saint called marabou. Keep walking ahead. Now look ahead and watch how the sellers protect themselves from the sun here. During the summer, it can get very hot in Marrakech. Sometimes it gets as high as 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And some merchants have regular curtains. But others hang plastic sheets like the ones you're watching. And after these overhanging plastic sheets, the souk gets wider and we can see the open sky above again. Ahead on the right, we pass another colorful craft shop and then a large mosque door with beautiful stone patterns. Just beyond this door, you'll see a merchant selling photographs arranged all along the wall on the right. Can you see the photograph, seller? Walk over to the photographs and stop there to get a better look. Let's pause here by the photographs for a moment. If someone tries to call your attention, point to your headphones, smile, and say La Shukran. You'll see a lot of portraits. You can also find some historical photos of the plage Malfana from different periods over the last century. Look for an old photo of the square. and see if you can notice what elements of the traditional clothing and what aspects of life on the square still are present here today. Before we move on, focus on the wall behind these photographs. Notice the color? Much like many other walls around here, we have the color of Marrakech, red ochre. That's why the city is called Marrakoosh al-Hamra, the Red Marrakesh. Going back to the first brick mosque built here in 1070 AD. Okay, continue walking ahead now, the way we've been going. As we walk, focus on the people around you. Look at their gestures, their expressions. And now, notice their steps. Look at their shoes. Focus on their rhythms. Mm -hmm. Don't you find that most of the locals walk quite slowly? Do you think you are going faster than them? You know what? Let's walk at the relaxed local pace and take our time while arriving at the end of the street. Ahead, while the street ends, we're going to take a ride. After turning right, go straight, and beware the scooter. Perhaps you've already heard the Muslim call for prayer here in Marrakech. The call for prayer is named Adan, which means to listen, to hear. Let's go to a good place to listen to it. Turn right at the alley ahead. Up here, on your right, there is a short alleyway. Step into the alley on the right, and find a comfortable place to stand for a moment. This is the entrance to the Mwessin Mosque. From my rooftop, the Adan is an enveloping soundscape. It is composed of many individual calls for prayer, delivered at mosques around the medina, like this one. The Adan is performed by an official from the mosque, called a muezzin. The muezzin is the most notable person in the mosque. He is chosen for his talent and ability in reciting the Adan beautifully, melodiously and loudly for all Muslims to hear. Muezzin voices deliver the Adan five times a day. All the megaphones installed on the mosque's minarets. Open your ears and immerse in the calls for prayer that I can hear from my roof. Okay, now come back to the main walkway we were on before and keep walking in the general direction we were headed before. Ahead, there is another path that goes to the left, but keep going straight. Let's walk to the big arch ahead at the end of this open area of the souk. You know, Hollywood has had a romantic fascination with Marrakech for decades, dating back to Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much, which shot a scene right here on this street. I want to tell you about another movie. Stop in front of the last arch at the end of this open area. We are in front of a famous arch. Do you see those yellow and red diamond tiles? At the bottom of both sides of the arch. And don't walk through yet. But do you see just inside the arch there is a huge green and goldish door with round copper studs? Well, these decorations were not originally here. In fact, these were props in more recent movie that filmed right here, Sex and the City 2. Apparently, the real scenery wasn't real enough for them, so they installed these pots and copper, which have just stayed right here ever since. It's kind of funny. But also an example of how, if we're not careful, Marrakech could become the postcard that the world wants to see. So let's leave the movie Marrakech and come back to the real one. Now, we can pass under the Sex and the City Arch you are entering back into another covered part of the souks. You'll see a green roof above, which gives a special light to the whole place. Keep going down this path, and up ahead you'll arrive at a shop with a red awning, which splits this path into two. At the fork in the path, take the little alley on your right. Where the path forks, go right and continue walking the way we've been going. Ahead, we're going to pass through a brick archway. Passing through the brick archway, do you see the second shop on your right? With the wool felt purses and handbags, this is one of the oldest shops of the souk. Poke your head under the handbags. Look how tiny the shop is. Okay, let's leave. Keep walking ahead. Before, that little shop used to sell horse saddles. In fact, this entire souk used to be dedicated to saddles. Now he sells wool, products and babouches like most the other shops around here. Most of these little shops weren't actually built to function as storefronts. They all converted from old artisan workshops, which is why they are so small. I love how the sun rays pass through this roof. It is one of my favorite shows in the souk. Keep walking ahead until we reach the end of this walkaway. Ahead, as this walkaway ends, you'll see a small red ochre archway. When you get there, turn right. Once you've turned right, keep straight. This section of souks is going to get a little tricky. We're going to keep walking roughly straight ahead for about two minutes until we run right into a store that sells wooden masks. I'll tell you when. As I was saying before, when I was a child, each souk specialized in one particular craft. In addition to selling their crafts here, Most of the production also happened right here in the Souks. Because of that, each one had its own unique soundscape. Before, you used to hear the sound of scissors hammers, different kinds of scream to announce their products. Artisans used to read Quranic verses and sing Malhun songs together. Malhun is a genre of music that originated from artisans improvising songs while working. The songs feature street language, adapted to music, and speak about God, work, women, and love. It's not so common today in the sook. Keep listening to this Malhun song to hear what these sooks sounded like years ago. Keep ahead until you walk directly into a wall of wooden masks. I'll meet you there. Can you see the mask shop ahead, in front of you? When you reach the masks, walk around them. And then keep walking straight ahead. Then, just past the shoe shops, turn left at the first little alley you will find on your left. After turning left, you should be in a tiny alley. Ahead, you'll see the roof stops and the sunlight is pouring into the open air. But stop before you get there. Here, in this short little alley, we have a few shops with Moroccan instruments. One on the right and two on the left. Browse around these instrument shops while I give you a lesson. I will play to you some local instruments and I will ask you to guess what they are. Let's start with this. It is round, and it is made of goat skin, and it is... a timbre. Now I will play you another instrument. Easy to guess the material, no? They are made of metal. These are the local version of the castanets. Here they are called Kraqib. And now listen to this. What is it? It is the Gambri, a kind of lute timbre with three strings, made of wood and camel skin. I'll tell you more about these instruments in a moment. Let's leave the instrument shop for now. Continue walking the way we were going and walk into the open-air plaza just ahead. Pause when you arrive at the plaza. In a moment, I'm going to tell you more about Gnawa music and play you some. We have about 40 minutes left in our walk, so if you're tired, have a seat and a beverage at Café des Epices. A few storefronts down on your left, press pause to order and then press play to listen to the Gnawa song while you relax. The instruments we just heard are commonly used in Gnawa music. Listen closer to Inguba Finkuma by the Gnawa band, the servants of the invisible. The Gnawa are an ethnic brotherhood originating from West Africa, whom with the passing of time became a part of the Sufi Muslim order in Northwest Africa. Listen closer to the Gnawa song for a little. Meet me by the opposite side of the plaza from where we arrived to see another of my favorite spots of the souks. I'll be waiting by the last table of huts. I hope you enjoyed the Gnawa song. By now, you should be on the opposite side of the plaza from where we arrived. You should be standing by the last table of huts. Near there, there is a large entrance to the souk of rugs. It has a very big door with the sign that says souk des tapis. There's a picture on your phone if you aren't sure where to find it. Let's go ahead and walk inside. What a calm place, isn't it? Is someone calling to get your attention? You might still need the large grand gesture inside. Go straight down this walkway until it ends at an open room. Do you see any old men showing rugs to the rug merchant in front of their shops? Is there a messy traffic jam of rugs all around the room? In that case, you are in attendance at the Berber rug auction. This happens almost every day, except for Fridays. Please go to the open room at the end of the hall. If the auction is on, we will see a group of old men in the center of that open room up ahead. They come from the mountains around Marrakesh to sell their products to the best buyer. Okay, are you in the big room at the end of the hall? Feel free to walk around this room and browse the rugs of the auction. While you look around, let me introduce you to Hosni. His family has been sailing rugs in this room for 60 years. Uh,
2: my name is Husni. I work about uh, 20 years ago with my brother, and this is the job uh, of my father and uh, my big father.
0: Hosni told me that when he has to buy a rug, first he considers his father's suggestions. First, pay attention to the design, to the color, to the material, to the wool of the rug. Then, to make his final decision, he just follows his passion. He loves one rug in particular.
2: I bought uh, 10 years ago. I love it. It's like arts.
0: Mostly, his rugs come from high and middle atlas. Hosni told me that each tribe has its own signature. For example, the tribe from the middle atlas normally use geometric designs on the whole rug, and their main color is red. If you are falling in love with a rug, remember Hosni's suggestion before buying. Look first for quality, and from then, choose the one you love.
2: In Morocco, you don't have the fixed price, so we can discuss the price. The businessman, when he fends it, the profit he can sell for you. If you don't find it, we can keep smiling. <laughs>
0: Okay, so speaking of finding the right price, I'd like to give you an essential lesson. To survive in the souks of the Medina, you have to learn how to enjoy the art of haggling. My grandmother taught me how to do it, and now I will pass on her lessons to you. First of all, take it as a kind of pleasure, wonder to yourself, where is the best offer I can find? Second, never show your enthusiasm when you want to buy something. Third, ask for the price. Then, say that you have seen the same product for less somewhere else. Fourth, propose a price and start the play. Remember, a seller won't let you walk away easily unless your initial offer is extremely low. So from now, if you want to buy something, just remember my grandmother's advice. Press pause if you wish to haggle over the price for a rug. When you're ready to leave, walk back to the entrance of the souk of the rugs, where we came in here, and meet me back there in the plaza at Rehbaq Dima. Press play again when you arrive outside, and I'll see you there in the plaza. Okay. I'm outside the Souk of Rugs now. Are you with me? Press pause if you're not, and press play when you are ready. Okay, yalla! With the Souk of the Rugs behind you, turn right, and walk along the plaza back towards where we came from. Ahead, at the far end of the plaza, where we are headed, we are about to see numerous herbs. Mountains of anise, cardamom, cinnamon, saffron, colorful spices all around. Now you can understand why this square is also called Spices Square. Turn left here where the plaza ends. I would like to introduce to you my favorite spice seller, Muhammad, who has always mixed good remedies for my stomach, for stress, and even for my blood circulation. Once you've turned left, his spice stall is just a few stalls down on your right. It's about the fifth from the last stall on the right. And you can tell it's his shop because it's the one with number 39 written in very tiny little gold numbers on the wall above the shop's door. Here, we are in front of the spice stand that says number 39. Stop in front of the shop and meet Muhammad, the man who you probably see behind all his spices.
3: My name is Muhammad Sibai. I am herbalist, I am 70 years old. I have three children, I have two wives, I sell spices and herbs. I have started here from the time of King Muhammad V, 1953. I have been doing this for 50 years and now, I have all in my mind. My brother is the one who showed me this craft.
0: When Muhammad started in this square, you could still find people selling live chickens, snails, fruits and vegetables here. My mother and my grandmother used to come here for consultations with Muhammad. He was our family doctor.
3: Here in Morocco, spices are very common for cooking but they also are used for curing different illness and sometimes to make magic potions. It is an alternative medicine. I myself go to the doctor for diagnosis and when I know what I have, then I take the right medicine from my shop. There are recipes for stomach, for cold, for stress. For example, anise, mide and wild mint is good for stomach ache, for blood circulation. Verbanas is good. My family doesn't use pharmacy drugs, we use only herbs. I am a pharmacy, so I don't need to go to a pharmacy. I even sell the Aphrodisiac mix, and for night, this is very good.
0: I'll tell you the truth, I've never tried the Aphrodisiac mix, but I'm really curious, aren't you? Are there any specific spices or herbs you want to smell? Well, the quotes you just heard from Mohammed are actually translated. In fact, Mohammed does not speak English. So if you don't speak Arabic, to communicate with him, you can use gestures. Just say, Salam to say hi, and then point at the spice you want to try. Remember that the Aphrodisiac mix is not on display. So if you want to test it, just say, Aphrodisiac mix. He will understand. I'm really curious to see how you will work it out. Then if you want to buy something, do not hesitate. Remember that Muhammad has a family with two wives to take care of. Press pause if you want to stop here to buy something. Okay, now you can say bye to Muhammad. Face in Muhammad's spice shop, turn to your left. Walk the way we were going and go to the corner of the plaza. We're going back into the maze. At the first turn ahead, we'll go right. After you turn right, walk a few storefronts down and then take the first left you can into a little alley. At the first alley on the left, turn left. Once you've turned left, walk down the little alley. Walk under the animal skins hanging from above. Don't walk past where the roof above ends. I want you to stop in front of the first shop on the left after the arch. Okay, we've just passed under the arch. There's an open space further, beyond the alley. Don't go there yet. We should be standing by the last shop before there. There is a picture on the phone to help you. We don't want to block this passage, so let's walk into his shop on the left. The entryway is narrow and sometimes they sit on a stool blocking the way in. But they'll let you pass. Just indicate that you'd like to go inside and they will move for you. Enter and walk all the way into the back of the shop. Watch your head as you'll pass underneath animal bones and dried bodies hanging above you like bunches of bananas. Watch out for the porcupines and the beetles if you don't want one to end up in your hair. Once you reach the back of the shop, see what you can find on all these shelves. On the shelf on the left, there are dried crops of various lizards and birds and rodents. Get a good close look. Give one of them a kiss if you like. And look at all these mysterious jars. Some of them have live leeches swimming about. You may find jars with dead scorpions. Look up at the ceiling to see the stretched out skins of long snakes. All of these dead and living animals have a specific purpose. Would you like to know what they are used for? Zachariah can tell you. He is the owner of the shop. If he is there, maybe you can recognize him. He is tall, and he has short black hair and a beard.
1: My name is Zachariah. Bizarre my family names. So I'm herbalist. I do studying. I'm done from school. So I keep working in our family jobs. That's herbalist, that's about plants also, about things of magic, medicine, things.
0: Look around you. Can you believe that this shop has been here for 90 years? When it first opened, it belonged to Zakaria's great-grandfather. And in this shop, they also make white magic.
1: White magic, it's something for good. White magic, it's what people, they believe to have some change, like we say. So they feel not okay, not happy, not, they feel the whole time there is sadness, there is a lot of problem that's from themselves. So they need to pass that way, so they come to ask for something, some amulets, some prescriptions, ways, and they keep it with them as protection, and they think that there is belief on that stuff they have, to, have give, to give them chance. And that's true, they change the way, and they feel that's true, it works.
0: Zakaria told me about two remedies. One to help you break up and the other to make someone fall in love with you.
1: There is scorpion, we have scorpion, life scorpion that works for women if they want to make disappear about the man. So if they have bad man, they make his picture with the one she take him already. Then with scorpions, they can be like not working anymore. They can't be no more relationships with them. Liches. that's the opposite if you want to have a man you make his picture with yours, then make honey between them and leeches when leeches suck that honey they can be suck with you not moving from your part
0: Zakaria's grandfather died at the age of 104 years old and he never visited a doctor in his life I bet the white magic remedies really do work if you truly believe in them I don't want to make outrageous claims It's just that it strikes me how even the most precise science is based on human belief, to some degree. Actually, do you want to talk to the shopkeeper now to learn more about the purpose of all the animals and herbs around you? Maybe if you have a problem in your love life, they can prescribe the perfect cure. If Zakaria is here, you can even ask him to show you his natural version of the perfume, channel number 5. So if you'd like to interact with the shopkeeper, press pause now. I will wait for you here. Press play when you're ready. Welcome back. Don't go back to the soup just yet. First, go to the entrance of the shop. And as you exit, look to the left, in the same direction we've been walking. There's a small enclosed area back here. This little area used to be home to an auction of sub saharan slaves until 1912. Then it became a wool souk. You'll notice there are more women than men here. This souk is run by women. They'll often have their children with them too. They sell a mix of second-hand and new women's clothes back here. It may be crowded and the passage is difficult to walk. So, if you wish to have a look around, Press pause and meet me back here at the entrance to Zakaria's White Magic Shop. Once you're back, press play and we'll move on, back into the souks. Are you ready to move on? We should be at the entrance to Zakaria's White Magic Shop. From here, let's go back to the little alley we came from before, where we will turn left. Are you ready to move on? We should be at the entrance to Zacharia's white magic shop. From here, let's go back to the little alley we came from before, where we will turn left. Back here, at the alley we came in on, we'll turn left. Enter the souks. Again, a lot of shops around us. Go straight. Then, where this path comes to an end, just up ahead, we'll turn left again. Turn left here. About 20 feet after you turn left, you'll pass a very tall, very shiny copper door on your right, in the entrance of a shop. When you see it, look closely at the pattern. It features many stars with eight points. Keep walking ahead, and you may see patterns like this all around. Maybe you've noticed all the intricate pattern work in the clothing and metalwork all around the Medina. The 8-pointed star is a very typical design in Morocco. In Moroccan design, there are more straight lines and hard edges compared to the curved lines common in the traditional aesthetics of other Islamic cultures in the Middle East. But let's turn our attention to a tastier tradition now. A bit further up ahead on the right, we are going to see two sweet shops side by side. It's just before a big sign hanging from the ceiling that says Kisariat Abbas Stop when you arrive there We should be arriving at the two pastry shops that are side by side You'll see there are many pastries in all varieties, flavors and colors There are some elaborate recipes here And you can sample them all later if you like But first I'd like you to try a very simple traditional pastry. It's my favorite pastry, and it's called corn de gazelle. To order a piece of corn de gazelle, please, don't pay more than five dirhams for one piece of corn de gazelle, or I will feel like a terrible guide. Buy one, and then say, Shukran, slama. Take off your headphones while you buy it, and press pause. I'll be waiting for you right there, at the sweet shops, when you're done. You'll find me when you press play again. Ready? Continue walking along the souks, the same way we've been going. So, did you get your can de gazelle? Now, as we walk, take a bite. And while you're eating it, try to guess the ingredients. I'm eating one, too. Mmm, that is good. I love it. I love you, corn de gazelle. We say bsha when we want to say bon appétit. Alhamdulillah, that's what you can say if you burp. You figured out the ingredients, right? Almonds, orange flower water and cinnamon. What a great combination, isn't it? I'm glad you're getting to relieve some of my favorite memories here and meeting the people who've been here for years. Hopefully, I'm not letting nostalgia cloud my outlook but I have a good feeling that most of these crafts here are going to continue to survive, resisting the march of time. In the next few minutes, keep an eye out for the traditional clothing shops we will pass. Many Moroccan people still wear the traditional gelabas, the long hooded dresses. We're going to arrive soon at large brick archway. Okay, about 30 feet after you pass through this brick archway, you're going to take a left at the first alley that branches off from this souk. Good. Now, as soon as you've turned left, about 100 feet straight ahead, where this alley stops, you'll see a bright sign with little white light bulbs forming Arabic characters above a shop of traditional dresses. Walk up to that shop and we will continue on past it. Okay, let's pass this shop with the bright sign and the dresses, taking a step to the right to pass the shop, and then immediately veering left again. About 20 feet after the shop, on your right, you will see a small open area. There is a long row of olive cellars on the right side of this small plaza. Walk into the middle of the olive plaza. I'll be there. Stop somewhere here in this little olive square, out of the way of traffic. Are you ready for another sensorial immersion? First of all, just breathing and smell. If you're hungry, why don't you taste this Moroccan juice? Each olive has a different taste. My favorite ones are the little dark olives, which we normally eat at breakfast with bread and oil. Or the spicy green ones, full of meat, sometimes, You can try some for free, but if you'd like to buy some, they are very cheap, around 10 dirhams for a sachet. If you wish, press pause here and buy a few, and press play again when you're ready to leave. Okay, take in one last press to capture this smell for the road. Now that you have had an overview of the places, the smells, and the tastes of the souks of my Medina, leave the olive soup behind you. And let's go back to the square. I wonder if it has changed a bit since we were there earlier. On the opposite diagonal corner from where we entered this olive square, there is a little stand with piles and piles of green mint. Walk over that way, passing by the fresh mint cellars, and continue into the next alley. As we pass by the Mint, you may begin to hear the distant sounds of the Plage Malfena getting nearer and nearer. We are approaching the square again, which you can begin to see ahead from here. Keep walking ahead. As you arrive out on the square, keep to the right. Here we are again. Back at the far edge of Place Jamal we're going back into the heart of the square. Keep walking straight ahead. keeping this row of storefronts on your right. As you return to the square, on your right, you'll see various shops, mostly clothing. And on your left, merchants with pallets of argan oil bottles, and people selling various goods on blankets on the ground. Maybe, they are calling to you. Remember the gesture for no thanks. La, shukran. You know, Jamal is also locally known as Jamal the place of winning, because anybody who doesn't have money can come to the square and try to create a business for themselves. The further we get into the square here, you will start to see orange juice and date sellers, restaurants, and some groups of musicians. See any yet? Keep walking ahead. We will. Ahead, at the last storefront on the right, we'll just keep walking straight across the plaza. Okay. Here on the right, we should be passing by the last permanent storefront. Keep walking straight in the same direction we've been walking. Ahead the square opens up into a mosaic of traditions, but very loud traditions. In fact, it may even be too loud to hear me well. So, let's go somewhere a little calmer, where I can tell you one last thing about the square. We are walking across the square now. Continue straight. And as you walk, you should see a long row of orange juice cords on your left. And if it is late enough, on your right, you will see many stands of boiled snails. Keep going until you reach the very last orange juice stand on your left. Okay, here, at the last orange stand on the left, turn slightly left. At about 11, on the edge of the square, there is a cafe called the Grand Balcon du Café Glacier, or Glacier, if you prefer. The name is written in white letters on its green awning. Go stand in front of that café. I'll meet you there. Okay, stop here for just a moment. I just have one final chapter for you to listen to, but it is quite noisy here, so I'd like to take you somewhere quiet. For me, the best place to listen and appreciate the square is from the rooftop café terrace, on top of the great balcon du Café Glacier. It's a basic café, but it has a beautiful view of a look in the square. However, to sit there, you'll have to buy a drink or something to get a seat on the roof. If you go to the rooftop café, just walk inside, past the ground level terrace and go up the stairs. At the top of the stairs, walk to the far back of the rooftop café and ask for a table, all the way back at the very end of the rooftop on the left where you can get the best view of the square. If it is busy, they may ask you to order something before you take a seat, and there might be a little line to enter. Order a drink and get settled, and then listen to the rest. If the line is long, you can take a seat on the Terrace Café on the ground level instead. Okay, press pause and press play when you're ready to enjoy the end of our journey. I will be waiting for you when you press play. Now that you're comfortable here, I would like to give you some last information about the square. You know, the square is also called Jamal Funun, which means the square of arts. And that's because the heart of the square has been and still is the Halqa. What is a Halqa? They are the circles of audience members, crowded around the performance. Can you see some of them out on the square? I will never forget that once, when I was a child, a woman came into a halqa to say that her man was beating her. The halka stopped and people decided to listen to her and then helped her. Halka is not just a moment of entertainment. Halka is a time and space of togetherness. Look out onto the square. How many men can you see? And how many women? As you can see, the square is populated by everyone. So, maybe you're wondering why we have only met men on this walk so far. To be honest with you, many women helped me for this walk, but most of them didn't want to be recorded. Each one of them has her reason. However, I would like to introduce you to one female performer here.
1: Assalamu alaikum, I'm Meryem. I sing in the music halqa, playing the songs by the Riwen, a very popular Moroccan band. I started working in the square when I was nine years old, in 1975. I lived very close to the square. I spent a lot of time in the halqa of Riwen. When I started singing and the musicians and the audience were very happy, they told me to come back. Every night, people enjoyed my voice, so I started working with them. Every one of these musicians have died in the meantime, and now I am working with my brothers, who play mandolin, jumbo tambours, and percussions.
0: Miriam explained to me that each halka has both profane and sacred aspects. Profane because artists in the middle ask for money and make jokes with full language and sexual references to entertain the audience. But it is also sacred because before asking for money, they always sing a Quranic verse with the audience to connect with God. Maryam has always dressed and behaved like a man. You know, another thing that I do love in this place is that there is a huge margin of freedom and respect between people and no place for scandals. Let's listen to her now. This song is Khodoni by the Moroccan band Riwan, sung by Miriam Said or Said Miriam. Here we will listen to her real voice in Arabic. After she finishes, there's one last thing I'd like to show you.
1: ولا عزلت عنها مرسول ولو لو ولو ولو على الحبل مشاني تدنا تدنا تدري نادم 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 على غير خذوني واير خدوني واير خدوني الله انا ما على اللي الله يا انا Miriam
0: is just one of the many amazing performers here who perform in the halka. Out on the square now, you may find her. Or perhaps you'll find the halka with the theatrical performances of old Moroccan stories, all the belly dancers, all the magicians. And of course, there are many other wonderful musical halka. To really understand Plaj now, the last thing I'd like you to do is to join Halgha. And to do that, you have to go inside the circle and experience it with the people of the square. You'll want to go right ahead and sit down on the ground on the inside of the circle. Maybe, if you're not from here, you don't feel comfortable with that. But don't be afraid. Trust me. It's okay. Don't forget to leave at least 30 dirhams and even more if you stay for a while. This is also what a local would pay. Remember, they are artists and performers and this is how they earn their money. And finally, once you are inside the halka, open your senses. Look at the performer and the people around. Be grateful. Take off your headphones and immerse yourself in the present of the square, which carries in itself moments that are centuries old. Okay, now it is your turn. When you are ready, go and guide yourself. Enjoy your evening in the square and your experience in the Halqa. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and slama.